We're going to continue in our series entitled, Who is Jesus? Where we've been looking at the seven I am statements in the book of John that Jesus uses to explain who he is and the new covenant that he is bringing. My prayer has been for this summer, we don't want to just say this, but for us to truly mean this, that this summer would be our greatest summer in Jesus possible. And so all of these I am statements can help us remind us of who Jesus is and how we can pursue him. As we've already looked at, Jesus is the bread of life. Maybe this summer that we're reminded, say, Lord, help me to be feasting on you, on spiritual things and not just carnal things that don't last. Jesus, you are the light of the world. Maybe this summer God reminds us to begin to truly seek him daily for direction and not to be the own guides of our life. And then as we talked about last week, that Jesus is the door, that he is the one who is inviting us to enter in to his presence. So we encourage you this summer uh, to genuinely let these moments be a moment where God draws you in to a closer and deeper relationship with him. But that being said, today we're going to look at our fourth I am statement, and we're going to pick up in John chapter 10 where we left off last week. So I invite you to stand with me this morning in the reverence to the reading of God's word. If you're not able to stand, as always, you can reverence God from your seat right there where you are. But John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. Verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. Now, for the sake of time, we're going to skip down to verse 27, where Jesus picks back up in this same illustration of the sheep and the shepherd. Verse 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Let's pray together. Lord, I ask this morning, truly, Father, would you put your words in my mouth? Lord, We don't need another sermon today. God, we want to meet with you. Lord, we want to meet with our good shepherd today. It's the Holy Spirit. I invite you right now. Would you speak in the hearts and lives of every one of us? God, would you break through spiritual apathy, God, and break through, uh, Lord, just going through the motions, God. And, 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 Father, I thank you that in a place like this, even in a gymnasium, God, you are not far. And so, Lord, I ask you, would you speak to us today in Jesus' name? Amen. You may be seated. Here in verses 11 and in verse 14, Jesus gives us the fourth I am statement where he refers to himself as the good shepherd. I have here this morning a shepherd's staff as just a reminder of this I am statement today. The ancient world, uh, the job, in the ancient world, the job of the shepherd was not a glorious job. It was actually a very humble job. But in fact, if you look throughout the Bible, you see where On a regular basis, some of the people that God used mightily were at one point in time shepherds in their lives. Jacob 
one of the patriarchs of God's people, the one whom God would ultimately change his name to Israel, he was a shepherd. When you think about Moses, the one who had set his people free out of captivity in Egypt, the Bible says that Moses was tending his father-in-law's sheep when God revealed himself to him and ultimately sent him out to go set his people free. The Bible says that King David... One of the greatest, the greatest king in all of the history of God's people. The one the Bible says who is after the heart of God. And he in whom from his lineage would come about Jesus. The Bible says that David was a young teenager shepherding his father's sheep when Samuel shows up to his house and anoints him the next king. And if you fast forward to the night of Jesus' birth, who were the first people to be proclaimed by angels that for unto you in this day in the city of David there is born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It were the shepherds tending the sheep outside of Bethlehem that incredible evening. You know, the Bible tends to show us over and over again that God continually used shepherds as his vessels, as his instruments for him to work through. So it shouldn't surprise us this morning that Jesus uses also the illustration of a shepherd to help point us to who he is. So one of the things that we've been doing throughout this series has been asking the question, what does it mean to us? If Jesus is saying, I am these things, then what do they mean to us today? And so this morning, I'm going to attempt to answer the question, what does it mean for Jesus to offer to be the good shepherd to us in our lives? So if you're keeping notes today, I want to give you a couple of truths. The first we need to know today is that Jesus being the good shepherd means he offers love to his sheep. Jesus expressing his love for his followers is seen right at the beginning of that passage. In John 10 verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus gives the greatest example of love as he talks about he who loves the sheep would be willing to lay his life down for them. Later in John 15 verse 13, Jesus would tell his followers that sacrifice is ultimately the greatest display of love. He would say no greater love, greater love has no one than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. Now, you have to think about this. And on this side of redemptive history, we know what Jesus is alluding to. As he talks about being the good shepherd who would lay down his life for the sheep, he's ultimately he's alluding to his coming death, to his crucifixion. You know, the crucifixion of Jesus is the pinnacle moment of God's redemptive plan. That moment where Jesus Christ, the Son of God, hung naked on the cross to willingly offer his innocent life for a sacrifice for humanity. It's what we just sang about a few moments ago. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. You know, of all the lessons that the cross of Jesus teaches us. And there are some very important lessons that we need to learn from Jesus' sacrifice. Jesus on the cross reminds us that God hates sin. It reminds us that God must punish sin. Jesus on the cross reminds us that humanity desperately needs a Savior. But of all of the lessons that the cross speaks to us today, the greatest lesson is that the cross of Jesus speaks to us is that he loves us. You know, in John chapter 3, verse 16, that famous verse that Martin Luther, the great reformer, said is the gospel in miniature. He speaks of the love of God saying this, For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son. That the good shepherd laying his life down for the sheep is the greatest demonstration of love. The apostle Paul in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 would speak about the love of God being seen on the cross saying, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I want you to think about this for a moment. When Jesus says in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep, he in his divine mind, who the Bible says is already before all things, so Jesus always stands at our today, always stands uh, where we are and looks backwards in time. He is already at our tomorrow looking back into today. And Jesus in that moment, as he speaks about saying, I lay down my life for the sheep, he is picturing he's looking at the day when he would suffer all of the agonies of the cross and ultimately the spiritual separation that he would endure that day you know if you've ever tried to truly contemplate your sinfulness before God alongside Jesus's sacrifice usually the first thing that comes to truly repentant people's mind is this why 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 would God love me that much? Why would Jesus love me that much? Let me say this to you today. If you've never truly had that question in your mind, looked at the cross and saw your own sinfulness in such a way that you said something doesn't add up here, you may not truly know Jesus and you may not truly ever contemplated the weight of your sin. But the reality was is that that's exactly what Jesus did. He loved us enough that he laid down his shepherd's staff and he took up a sinner's cross. But in verses, the verses that come after this, I believe Jesus answers the question why. Right after he says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, he says in verses 12 and 13, he says, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and not concerned about the sheep. See, Jesus contrasts his love from those who are the hired hands, who are not concerned about the sheep. And basically, Jesus says, this is why I love you. This is why I'm willing to lay down my life for you. And that's because you are mine. Your mind. Here's a biblical truth that you need to recognize here this morning. All of us need to recognize this truth today. Is that the Bible makes it clear that all human beings are created in the image of God. And ultimately, we belong to God. That's why one day we will all have to give an account to him. Now the Bible also says that while we're on this earth, while we live in this earth, that we are temporarily under the authority of sin and Satan. But that will not last forever. When we leave this world, we will stand before God. So what Jesus did in coming to this world to die on a cross was actually a rescue mission. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 8, speaking of when Jesus would Come on the, when he would come and ultimately redeem humanity, when he would buy us back through his death on the cross, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives. Basically, in ancient days, a captive was someone who was being put underneath the authority of an abnormal or, a, or, or invading force. 
See, the Bible says that we are gods, but since we are temporarily underneath the authority of sin and Satan, that Jesus coming for us on the cross was that rescue mission to take us out from underneath the authority of Satan. So this is what all of us need to know today. Why can you say that God loves you today? It's because you ultimately belong to him. You are his. And the cross was his means to rescue humanity back to himself. I don't care who you are today. You belong to God. You might not be living for God. You might not know God. You might still be in the middle of your sin. You may be sitting on death row in Satan's prison. But all that being true, this is a reality today from the gospel, is that on the cross, Jesus said, I love you. I love you. And ultimately, he displayed that love on the cross. This morning as we worshiped and sang that song, my sin, oh the bliss of that glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole. Did we, did we see, did we truly worship Jesus this morning? Or do we just take his work on the cross as just a passing understood principle that we look back on? Friends, let me say something to us this morning. If we truly want God to do a work in us this summer, we've got to let God wreck us again with the cross. We've got to see his love for us afresh and anew. We've got to recognize that I was woefully separated from God. But he, in his loving mercy, came to set me free. And why is that? Because he loves you. God loves you today. If there's anything you could walk away from this morning and hear that to you who feel so invaluable, to you today who feel so lost and broken, to you who are searching for God today, the greatest thing you could hear this morning is that the Savior of the world says, I'm the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary, Jesus wrote a love letter to the world for you to hear this morning that says, I love you. Jesus loves you today. Our second truth today is not only that Jesus loves you, but that Jesus being the good shepherd means that he offers intimacy to his sheep. Now, the word intimacy refers to the trust, knowledge, love, and companionship that happens inside of a real healthy relationship. So I want you to look at John chapter 10, verse 14. Jesus speaks about the intimacy, the relationship that he desires to have with his sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. See, Jesus didn't just die to love us, but he ultimately died to bring us back into a relationship with God, to set us free from the authority of sin and to bring us ultimately into the kingdom of God. But this verse tells us a couple of different things here today. First, this text tells us that if Jesus is our shepherd, it means that he knows us. It means that he knows us. Now think about it. In some ways, most of us, we understand the idea. We can wrap our mind around the idea that God is sovereign. He knows all things. If, if he is God, then he knows all things. And the, the reality is, is the, the, the scripture affirms that. It affirms that God knows everything. He knows what's going on in our world even right now. He sees us in this room at this very moment. Psalms chapter 11 verse 4 says, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold... His eyelids test the sons of men. 
Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about the fact that, that God sees and knows everything, the first thing I want to do is crawl under a rock. Because I know that God sees my sin, he sees my failures, he sees my mistakes. And rightfully, that should move me to Jesus. Jesus, I need forgiveness, I need your grace and mercy. And that's a, that's a great thing. And so today in this room, if you know that God sees everything going on in your world and you know that you're a sinner separated from Jesus, but you've never received his forgiveness that he gave you on the cross, then run to him here today. But once you've done that, the Bible says then you become a child of God. All of our sin is forgiven past, present, and future. And just like a shepherd has a loving, intimate relationship with his sheep, this is what Jesus offers to us today. If a sheep is happy and bouncing around in the field, the shepherd knows it and smiles. If a sheep is worried or afraid, the shepherd sees it and will attempt to ease his fears. If a sheep is sick or injured, the shepherd will notice it and will treat it. If a sheep is tired or hungry, the shepherd will lead it to places of rest and sustenance. Some of you need to know today that as children of God, he knows every little detail that is going on in your life and it matters to him. What do you need to know today about a good shepherd? You need to know a good shepherd loves you and he sees you and you matter. One of my favorite stories to tell about how God cares about the little details of our life is a story of a friend of mine. Uh, he was a coal miner in Jasper, Alabama. I've, I've mentioned Bill uh, to our church family before, but I don't believe I've ever told this story. Uh, Bill is one of the strongest men that I've ever known. He fought tough man competitions in Walker County, Alabama uh, before he came to know Jesus. If you know anything about Walker County, Alabama and Jasper, Alabama, that's where you go hire hitmen and stuff, okay? Like, if you fight tough man competitions there, you're a bad dude, okay? And Bill was a bad dude. Uh, but he came to know Jesus, and God did a radical work in his life. He worked in the coal mines. He came home one day from having a long, long night in the mines, was, was tired and exhausted. He came home. His wife uh, was leaving that morning early. He was going to take their daughter to school and run some errands. She said, Bill, honey, do you need anything? He said, no, babe, I'm just tired. I just want to lay down and go to bed. He said he walked into his bedroom, and it was one of those laying down. He was asleep before his head hit the pillow. Hours later, after a very, very restful night's sleep, he wakes to his voice, uh, to the voice of his wife saying, Bill, Bill, are you in there? Bill, are you okay? He wakes up startled and looks around and his entire house has been ransacked while he slept. They had stolen, people had broken in, had stolen, went through every room. The bedroom door where he was asleep was open and the billfold laying on the nightstand next to him was gone. Needless to say, this big strong man was angry. He said he woke up and, and was angry and just thought about the fact that he was laying there vulnerable and, and, and people could have had their way with him in that moment. He said he was just so angry. He said the police came and weeks went by, insurance covered things, months went by, everything was over, but he still couldn't get that anger off of him. He said it started interrupting his marriage. It started interrupting his relationship with God. Finally, one night he was on his way to work and he pulled over on the side of the road and just said, God, I don't know why I'm so angry. I don't know what's going on in my life, but, but God, you got to take this from me. What is wrong with me? And he said it was like the Holy Spirit spoke into his life and said, Bill, you've given me everything in your life except your protection. I'm a good shepherd and I'm the one who protects you. Bill, you keep asking yourself why you didn't wake up so that you could have put your hands on these men. Bill, do you know what I saw? I saw you were tired and I let you sleep. 
Friends, I want you to know something today. It may not always work out the way that we desire, but if you know Jesus, he's a good shepherd. He sees your needs and he cares for his people. Also in this text, it doesn't just show that God knows us, but it also gives an incredible promise that we can know him. Look at the last part of verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. You know, for most of us, it's, it's, it's kind of easier for us to wrap our mind around the fact that God knows us. But it's a little bit harder for us to wrap our minds around the fact that, that we can know God. Now listen, obviously, there are things about God that we will never fully understand. But that doesn't mean we can't really have a genuine, intimate relationship with God. I have a great relationship with my wife. But yet there are still parts of my wife that I will never understand. I will never know why she insists on letting her gaslight go to under 10 miles left of gas before she will fill her tank. But just because I don't understand her aversion to traveling around with an abundance of gasoline in her car doesn't mean that I can't fully understand her in so many other ways. Here as Jesus speaks about I know my own and my own know me. It is an invitation to have real, genuine intimacy with God. Let me give you a few things you need to know about knowing your good shepherd. First, you need to understand that you really can know God. Like this morning, you can really know God. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, the Bible speaks about Moses' relationship with God. And this is what it says. It says, the, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. It, now, we think about that. We're like, surely I could never have that kind of relationship with God. You know, Jesus took that a step further. The Bible said Moses had to go into a tent to meet with God like that in the tent of meeting. Jesus invites us to come and abide in him. He invites us to move in. God invites us to regularly see and know him. Adrian Rogers, the great pastor, used to talk about his relationship with Jesus. And he said with tears in his eyes and full sincerity that Jesus was his closest friend. Church, I want to ask you this morning, are you walking with God? Are you walking with your good shepherd? Is Jesus your closest friend. Also, we need to know when it comes to knowing God, there's always more. There's always more. There's always a deeper place with him. There's always a greater level of intimacy. There's always more when it comes to knowing Jesus. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, Paul talks about how God refines us and works in us, and he talks about how we can go from glory to glory. I've had some moments in my relationship with God where I feel like surely this is the best. This was the best prayer time. This is the best moment in your presence. It can't get any better than this. But that altar always gives way to another altar. It always gives way to another moment where God met with me in good times or in bad times or in, or in difficult times where God showed himself to me in a real and tangible way. And I want you to know this morning, it doesn't matter where you are right now in your relationship with God. God wants to say to you this morning, your good shepherd wants to lead you closer in. He wants to lead you closer. And finally, we need to understand that knowing God happens when we hear from him, when we meet with God by means of his word and his spirit. 
Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I want you to know, church family, the two greatest ways that we follow him, the two greatest ways we'll know God more is through his word and ultimately the leadership of his spirit in our lives. If you want to know God better today, get in his word and pray and begin to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And then lastly this morning, our final truth today is that Jesus being the good shepherd means that he offers assurance for his sheep. Look at verse 27 and 28 as Jesus wraps up this illustration of him being the shepherd and his people being the sheep. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And here it is again. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. You know, one of the things that all of us as human beings need to truly just have some walking around peace is that we need some level of assurance. We, we need some level of assurance to believe and know that, that, that everything's going to be okay, that I can make it through today. And, and, the, and the truth is, is that unless you know Jesus, is that the only assurance we have is on ourselves, and you really get to dive down into that for a minute, and you don't have a whole lot of assurance there. All of us dealt with this during the pandemic at one level or another. We had to look and see, where do we put our hope? And if you don't have a relationship with the good shepherd, then where really does your hope lie? Jesus gives two major promises here this morning. I'm going to ask Brother Ron to begin to, to come as we prepare to close. Two promises that Jesus gives his people, his sheep, of assurance. Promise number one is that Jesus gives his followers an assurance for eternal life. In verse 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them. And they will never perish. I give eternal life to them. And they will never perish. He's talking about when you leave this world in death. That there's an assurance. That you will spend eternity in heaven with God. And not face judgment of his wrath. Several years ago, a friend of mine, I was his pastor. And he had a thousand acre sheep and goat farm in northwest Alabama. He had great Pyrenees dogs that he would put in these pastures with these, um, with these sheep and these goats as puppies. And they would, as they grew, he would laugh and say that they thought they were a sheep or they thought they were a goat. But as they grew, is that they would naturally become the protectors. As we were driving around his pasture, we came to one and he was wondering where the dog was. The dog was not there. And, and so he called for it and he said, oh, he's probably on the back side of the pasture with the sheep. And, and we kind of went on. That was on a Wednesday. That next Sunday, I saw him at church, and he said, Zach, you've got to hear this story. He said, you know, we didn't see the dog on Wednesday. Thursday, it was raining, so I didn't go out and check the sheep. Friday, I went out, and the dog was still gone. He said, so I got in my ATV, and I went over the backside of the pasture, and as soon as I topped the pasture, I could see that he was laying at the backside of the pasture, and I could see that there was a baby goat there laying next to it. He said as he came to the area, he recognized the goat had gotten tangled in the fence and had died. And that sheepdog, that great Pyrenees, would not leave that goat. As he started to look back around the 
area there for, for five yards or so all around the body of this goat was the leaves were kicked back and you could see the signs of coyotes and animals who had come to try to take that body and he said he started looking over his dog who was exhausted was almost at the point of death and in his white fur you could see the blood of where he had been injured but for three days he had fought back the wild animals and there was not one mark on this goat he said as he loaded up the goat, he picked up the dog, he put him in the ATV, he took him back, he fed him, he took him to the vet and had him treated. And he said as he went to put him in a stall in his barn to let him rest for a few days, he pat him on the head and he said, buddy, good job, you're a good shepherd. He said he went home that night, was sitting on his porch and was thinking about all that had happened in that situation. He said the Holy Spirit just spoke in his heart and said, Frank, I'm a good shepherd too. And I won't leave you either. I will stay with you in every moment of your life. And you will be with me. And I will not leave you even unto death. The good shepherd promises today that he will be near to his people. And that nothing, no one will snatch us out of his hands. God gives us promise for eternal life. And he also gives us promise for daily life. You know, friends, life is hard. We all go through hardship. We all go through struggle. Jesus made this clear. This is a broken, fallen world. And when you think about a shepherd, I always think about his staff. You know, a lot of scholars would say there that when Jesus says nothing will snatch them out of my hand, is that maybe he's even referencing his staff. He was an extension of his hand. And think about what a shepherd's staff did. It had the hook on it that always was used to grab and pull the sheep back when they started to wander. I know some of you think, man, I wish I had that from Sunday mornings from my pastor. You know, I pull him back when I need him. He also could use it as a rod to defend away wild animals and thieves and predators who would come to harm them. And a shepherd's staff was always tall so that it could be seen so that even if the sheep drifted away a little bit or just on the other side of a hill, it could always see that the shepherd was near and the shepherd was close. Friends, I don't know who you are this morning. I don't know where you are, but I know that all of us, we need a shepherd. All of us need a shepherd who will lead us into eternal life, give us the promise of heaven. I promise you here today, if you don't know Jesus, you don't have that. How can any of us live a day in this life and not know for certain where our eternity rests? But even in this daily life, Jesus doesn't just promise us heaven for tomorrow. He promises his presence today that if you start to wander, I will pull you back. If some outside forces come to attack you, I will defend you. And even in the moments where you feel like you're lost, I will show you where I am. I can lead you back. My prayer for this summer is that we would truly meet with God. And it would be a tragedy today. If we got up, got dressed, came into a gym, sat in some uncomfortable chairs, and missed hearing the call of our shepherd today. He wants to lead you. He loves you. If you just respond to him. I'm going to ask you to stand all over this room today. and Brother Ken's going to lead us in a song as we close. 
If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, the Bible says whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Maybe right now you need to say, Jesus, I need you. I need a shepherd. I give my life to you. I'll follow you. Maybe today you need to just be reminded that he sees you, he loves you, he cares about you. Call out to him. If you need to join this church family, if you just need somebody to pray for you, our pastors will be up front. But you feel free to take these next few moments to respond to God.